Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, social media director here at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Jerry Keith Gaynor, managing editor of politics and Washington correspondent here at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, how do we keep moving onward and upward? We can't believe we've reached the end of 2021, but here we are. We've lived through some deeply political moments like the inauguration of a new president and first black and South Asian vice president of the United States, an attempted coup on the U.S. Capitol, and finally, getting a federal response to the COVID-19 pandemic, just to name a few. We also had major milestone moments in popular culture. We said goodbye to Insecure, goodbye Molly and Issa, we, we, we love you, we miss you. We watched the foolishness of some of our most talked about celebs and a host of must-see memes that Black Twitter curated for our collective enjoyment and we have found them to be hilarious. Today we'll recap the top moments of 2021 and reflect on what this year has meant for Black culture as well as prepare for the new year, new you in 2022. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, G, let's go. All right. The end of the year of 2022. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm messing stuff up. See, this is a, the pandemic messing you up. The end of the year of 2021 is almost upon us. And some well-deserved break time is, you know, right around the corner. I am truly excited. I know, G, you are too. Uh, <laughs> and as you know, you know, we are a truly dynamic duo, okay? The yin and the yang. And I love having you as our managing editor, of, especially of politics. And, you know, I'm here for all things pop culture, you know, the, the resident social media expert. Uh, but I wanted to, before we even get into all of like the culture's 2021 top moments, tell me what was your biggest personal highlight in 2021? Or, you know, maybe you can give, give us some of, give me, give me two to three. I don't know if you have a whole lot. You are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Shauna, I really can't believe that every year at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, a year has gone by already. And um, I have to say 2021 has been my best year yet, I have to say. I think I I made uh, some pivotal uh, moves in my career and my personal life. I moved here to Washington, D.C. I was one of those New Yorkers who said I would never leave New York. I was like, why would I leave New York? What is what is there to ever do outside of New York? And here I am living in an entire, entirely different city. And um, it was scary at first. I didn't think I didn't always believe that I could thrive or 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 create a new a new life in a new city. And I proved that I can do it all by myself. I didn't move with a significant other. I don't have family in Washington, D.C., so I have to say moving has been um, not only one of the best decisions I've made in my life, but obviously one of the best decisions of 2021. Um, and then obviously on the career end, I get the remarkable opportunity to work with a legend, April Ryan, who is almost 25 years in as a White House correspondent, who is now our White House correspondent here at the Grio. And I've learned so much from April as a journalist, and I can now call her not just a mentor, but a friend um, and leading the politics team here in the D.C. Bureau. Um, I got to go to the White House. I'm now I'm, I'm a member of the White House Correspondents Association. Um, and I just feel like everything on the career end has been upgraded. 
And um, for me, it means a lot because being a black queer boy growing up in Brooklyn, I didn't really dream a lot. I didn't have big dreams. I remember, I remember when I was a student at Morehouse and I couldn't even envision what myself graduating because I just was always, you know, not to get too down, but like I, I was always obsessed over death, you know, for some reason. And I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with just not feeling, not loving myself. And so 2020 was the year when I was awakened to who I, who I truly am. And 2021 was the year I just allowed myself to just be and not care as much about what people think of me um, and not be so hard on myself. And more importantly, I believed in myself and I bet on myself. And now I'm reaping the benefits of, of betting on myself. And so 2021 has been reflective as most years are for me, but it's been deeply rewarding as a journalist to be able to be doing work that's impactful, to be covering news that is really important to cover, especially for black culture. Um, and I'm just, I'm proud of myself, I have to say. Uh, but Shauna, what were some of your biggest personal highlights? I know it's been a big year for you as well. Yes, it has. Um, definitely one which was one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, you know, my dad had major spinal surgery, was in considerable amounts of pain for months and months and months. And we couldn't figure out like what was going on with him going to doctor after doctor and no one could, you know, actually pinpoint what was going on um, until really just by happenstance and a miracle, like my mother's podiatrist, <laughs> uh, you know, um, ended up like seeing my dad and, and, I just happened to see like the kind of the pain and the struggles that he was going through and kind of advocated for him. And we were able to get my dad, it, you know, the right doctors who knew what his issue was. Um, and, you know, there's still some things. My dad is kind of a medical mystery uh, in certain ways. Like he has some symptoms of MS, but not really. It's a whole thing. Um, but, you know, to know that he like went through that. He was in the hospital for what, about 12, 13 days. Again, terrifying, but my dad, he made it out. You know what I'm saying? And he's, he's, he's not as, um, he's not a hundred percent, you know, prior to all of this, but he's getting stronger every day. And, and I am incredibly proud of him and all of the things that he's just managed to battle and, and get through. So, I mean, hell, that's that's kind of his personal highlight, but it's definitely mine as well. You know, my dad celebrates his 60th birthday in February. Like, I'm Aww. just, I'm incredibly blessed. Um, I just want to chime in real quick, Shauna, because, and, and I'm so happy that your dad is doing better and, and I'm continuing to lift him up in prayer on his journey to healing. But I really want to shout you out because not only were you going through uh, personal things at home with your parents and your father's health, but you were holding down uh, the Grio's entire social media department and you did it with grace. And I know that it's not hard to balance life and work and you did it so well. And I just want to say that I commend you. And I, I actually was very inspired by how you navigated through that. Oh, thank you, G. Lord, you about to make me cry up here. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely another one was uh, reconnecting with someone who, you know, now has basically become my person. Um, <laughs> and that has been a just mind-blowing journey. Um, the amount of growth that both me and him have managed to have, like in the times that in the time that we were apart. Uh, and being able to, again, like I said, like reconnect. And I 
I hope it lasts. Uh, but, you know, just in general, I, I am so grateful to actually know that love and, and a non-toxic love exists. Um, and that one that is, uh, you know, constant work, but it doesn't feel like work because we are we are consistently like making sure that we're working to for one another. Um you know, who knows if this will go the distance? Who knows if this is my you know future husband or anything like that? We'll see. Um, but I am incredibly grateful. Like it is it is an amazing thing to go from an incredible cynic. And uh, as my friends have called me a savage to, you know, I'm out here painting my nails with this man's, you know, football teams like it's, <laughs> you <laughs> that's know, love. Uh, that's love. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's something that is. It's so beautiful and it's so healthy and I'm so, just so glad to be a part of it. And I think maybe the final one, low key, is our DCP photo shoot, Jaren. Like, listen, first off, that was so much fun. That's one. And two, it was the first time that we'd seen each other since the pandemic. And I I was trying so hard like not to tear up like while we were taking pictures because I'm like, I finally get to see my brother again. Like, it, <laughs> it was pretty... It was pretty amazing. Um, and so I'm just, ugh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I am infinitely blessed and grateful. Actually, I do have a bonus. And let me knock on wood for this one. Um, my family has been relatively untouched by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, we've had a lot of friends of family who have lost people. Um, a lot of friends of family and, and family, just, you know, extended family who have lost people. But my unit, my parents, my brother, my uncle, my grandmother, and maybe because I've been on their behinds <laughs> about protocols and distancing and vaccines and boosters and everything else, um, I, I am, again, incredibly blessed and incredibly grateful. But, you know, we, you know, we got to talk about 2022. All right. We leave a 2021 behind. So, G, <laughs> so, G, do you have any New Year's rituals or are you setting up for any like resolutions? So I don't do resolutions because I think that they're like uh, gimmicky and cliche. But every year at the end of the year, I just try to kind of slow down. And I like to just kind of reset, set new intentions, which I guess to some degree could be a resolution, setting intentions for the new year. Um, and so like even this morning, I, I, don't, I used to do like yoga and meditation daily in the mornings before starting work. But because it's been a, a crazy year, as we know in the news and being a managing editor, I often like don't have a lot of time to do that in the mornings. I try to work it into the evenings. Um, and so I want, I, this morning I had like, just couldn't go to sleep and I woke up early and I was able to catch up on work, but I also took that time to, to do yoga and to meditate and reflect. And that's something that I'm very passionate about because it, it helps me find my center. You know, as someone who has, um, navigated through anxiety. Um, it really helps me like get my breath control together. It helps me get my mind right and to kind of block out the, the noise. And, and when I say noise, I mean that voice in your head that's like saying, oh my gosh, woe is me. Oh my gosh, the world's on fire. And then you remind yourself that no, the world's not on fire. You are in control. Um, your, your, your day and your life can be exactly how you want it. And so, and the one thing I, I and going back to what I was saying earlier about my move to DC and and my career, you know, opening up in the way that it has, it's been largely largely because I was able to uh, decide that this is what I want, 
and then it happened. And when the, when the universe like conspires on your behalf in that way, it changes this, how you look at life. And so I'm forever changed by, by some of what happened this year in 2021 for me. And so for 2022, I wanna obviously continue that, but I want to go further by not allowing, um, not believing in limitations um, and really being more ambitious. Also, just opening, creating more uh, loving spaces to connect better with my friends and my family, my coworkers. You know, I, I think sometimes us millennials working so hard, we forget to smell the roses and we forget that the point of life is relationship. And so in 2022, I want to deepen in my relationship with my loved ones and my coworkers, myself and with God. And, you know, I also know that uh, there's been a lot of new beginnings um, that you're leaning into in 2022 with this new move to Atlanta. Um, we see the boxes behind you, so we know that <laughs> the move is, is imminent. Um, yes. <laughs> so how are you preparing for this upcoming year? Mm. Um, you know, what's so funny, and I think it actually ties into like the whole like idea of rituals and, and setting intentions for the new year altogether is... I have said to myself, like this year has been one of surprise in a lot of ways. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of self advocacy, I'll say. Um, so I think for me, for this upcoming year and just preparing for it has been, I intend to live louder, live happier, live healthier, um, live prouder. Uh, so, you know, fighting for what I believe is mine and what belongs to me. So whether that is, you know, let me not tell too much of my business, but you know, (laughs) you know, whether that is something in terms of career wise and, and changes that I feel that need to happen in terms of my career, whether that is, you know, compensation, whether that is what are my tasks and what are my duties, whether that is my team, um, being able to, live happier. Uh, you know, this move to Atlanta is part of that. I will finally be with, uh, I mean, granted I'm, I'm leaving my mom and my dad, which sucks. Although I have been dropping gems for them to move to Georgia and we'll see when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I have been dropping gems. Um, Uh but you know, even the idea of kind of like leaving them here, I know that I'm not, I know that they will be okay. And I know that their goal for me is to be happy and where I am happiest, you know, is where I'm not spending my money every two to three weeks to fly down to Atlanta to go see my girls and see my line sisters and see my boo and, you know, all of these things. And I it's so crazy. I've had (laughs) so many of my friends who are like, yo, like you're from New York, like you're a New Yorker, I guess, but your home is in Atlanta. And I'm like, it's always been like that since my Spelman college days. Um, So, you know, just really excited to be able to be around my friends and kind of, especially in a, in a, in a time and in a year of not being able to have such connections (laughs) with these people, um, being able to do so is, is going to be pretty awesome. Um, But yeah, I, 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 mm, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, man. Stay tuned for 2022. But I kind of want to shift a little bit, G, because, uh, you know, I've mentioned at the top of the episode, you're our political expert here. So what do you think are some of the biggest political moments from this year that have stood out to you? Wow. It's been a crazy year in politics. I mean, let's 
first acknowledge that six days into 2021, we had the insurrection at the Capitol uh, on the day in which Congress was to um, uh, officially name Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the new president and vice president. We saw thousands and thousands of Trump supporters attack the Capitol. I mean, there's no other way to to put it a deadly attack. And I'll never forget that day. I think that America will never forget that day. We should never forget that day. Um, and, and we're still seeing the repercussions of that. You know, there's still an open investigation um, into what happened that day. Um, there's a lot coming out in terms of text messages between the Trump camp and, 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 and the whole fallout as to why it took them hours to, to respond to it. Uh, but then we, we also had a, a wonderful pop and circumstance uh, inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So despite, you know, what we saw the, in, the, in the attack on our democracy, we were able to, at least for a moment, um, celebrate a, a new administration and celebrate history when we had Kamala Harris as the first black and South Asian vice president of the United States of America and woman. And it was, um, it's still inspiring to see those moments happen in America, even though we are still very divided. And we saw uh, Juneteenth become a national holiday. I didn't see that coming in 2021. I think black people still feel indifferent about that because in terms of the black agenda, there's still so much left to be done. Um, and there's so much left to the imagination as to what the administration can and will do. Uh, voting rights has been under assault this year after Donald Trump lost. Um, him and his minions have done everything they could to not only have Trump-like figures in Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, but they're now running for offices and for secretary of state and election board positions so that in the event that Trump runs in 2024, uh, there are easier ways for in these battleground states to overturn elections. Because the only reason why uh, the coup did not work and because these lawsuits to overturn the election did not work was because there were local officials who, knew, who had better sense um, and pushed back against Trump and his supporters and, and, his, and his team of lawyers and, and, and whatnot. And so we are up against a lot in terms of democracy. But in 2021, we kind of saw voting rights uh, stalled, you know, because of um, what the Supreme Court did in, in eliminating preclearance um, in the in the Civil Rights uh, Act of 1965, uh, we now have a very um, faulty uh, democracy right now, voting system. And so we saw mass protests this year. Um, we saw members of Congress be arrested protesting for voting rights to 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 get Congress to finally pass this, and because we know that these bills cannot be passed because of Republican opposition. Um, and so it's been a very tough year. And we have a pandemic on top of that and reoccurring variants um, and trying to get people to be vaccinated. And so while the Biden-Harris administration certainly um, uh, deserves to be criticized for things that have not been done, uh, we have to acknowledge that they inherited a mess, a mess in terms of a pandemic. Um, the economy is getting better, but now we're having inflation. So there's a lot that happened this year, but more importantly, doesn't it feel good to not have Donald Trump as president? So I think that that was the big moment for the year uh, for in politics. And I'm still watching. We have a lot to cover. Next year is an election year. We have the midterms. And so the Republicans might get control of Congress, either in the House or in the Senate. 
Um, and so it's going to be a very busy year for me and my colleagues covering politics. But um, but yeah, I think that there's progress being made in terms of equity. And, um, and I hope that the Biden-Harris administration continues that work. And Shauna, there are moments that happen in pop culture outside of politics. And I know that you are obviously the guru when it comes to that. Uh, so what are you thinking about now in terms of the year's almost over? What were some of like the standout moments for you? Um, I think one of the big, and it's, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of moments, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely overall, the fact that cancel culture does not exist and and seeing like clear examples of that. So, you know, two people who are brought to mind almost really three who are brought to mind almost instantaneously is so one you have Kanye. I thought we weren't talking to Kanye no more. Like Kanye was out here running for president trying to split votes. Kanye was out here talking about slavery was a choice. Kanye was out here with MAGA hats. And yet y'all are still buying them 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 bum ass shoes. Like <laughs> like y'all are still going up for free Larry Hoover concerts, which is just asinine in and of itself. Like y'all are still going up for Donda albums. And I'm I'm just my goodness, like wow, the 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 memory is is short, clearly. Yeah. Uh you know, um the same thing with uh Dave Chappelle, for instance, who Dave Chappelle, from his platform of making millions of dollars on comedy specials and, you know, on Netflix and was sitting there talking about how, oh, you know, a a certain demographic was trying to cancel him and self-identifying himself as a TERF, which if you don't know, audience, TERF is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Uh, which is basically anti-trans and, and it's, it's, it's a disgusting, it's a disgusting, I, I overall ideology. Um, and it's punching down and watching Dave Chappelle's, for me personally, his fall from grace from being like this amazing comedic God in a sense who has now turned his, his career into this weirdo, like, thing of 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 punching down on other marginalized communities is so strange to me it's strange it's it's giving it's giving obsessed at this point um and you know and he keeps talking about you know being canceled and oh yeah this is what's happening and blah 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 and it's like nothing i don't understand how are you canceled sir netflix is still giving you money like what are you what like they're what are you talking about um, right. And then even the baby, who I mean, aside from just being a trash individual and being like an, a gaslighter extraordinaire, you know, treating Danny Lee, his his baby mom, what second, third, I don't even know the the yellow bone girl, the <laughs> treating his baby mama like absolute trash on Instagram Live, um, you know, throwing her out her and her baby or their baby out in the street. Um, you know, but then every time the baby threw Danny- out his baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and every time when Danny is posting, you know, videos of their adorable little girl, here goes the baby with his own video of like, Oh, see here I am being a father. Instagram videos don't make you a good daddy, but okay. Um, but you know, and, and there was a point in time where, 
the baby was considered to be canceled because of his rolling loud uh, homophobic and, mis- and misogynistic comments Ugh. where he's over there spreading misinformation about HIV AIDS, you know, talking about HIV AIDS and, you know, these STDs that, that, that'll make you die in two to three weeks, which first off, you moron, this is not the 80s, but fine. You know, uh, fellas, if you're not sucking D in the parking lot, put your cell phone lighter up. Like, why are you so concerned, baby? Like, I don't understand, but... And there's nothing wrong with oral sex and where you and do it's, wrong, And there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but, you know, everyone's saying, oh, he got canceled because he kept losing out on, um, you know, all of these festivals and et cetera, et cetera. And then what is he doing? He's right back in the festivals. He right, he went back to Rolling Loud. So what are we talking about, guys? What are we talking about? Um, and then I think... Uh, you know, you talked about the pandemic, Jaren, and I think we have to, have to, have to talk about one of the most pivotal moments this year from the pandemic, and that is silly behind Nicki Minaj and her mm-hmm. cousin. Uh, <laughs> and if anyone needs a, a nice little refresh, let's remember... Because Nikki, I believe her fans were asking like why she wasn't at the Met Gala or something to that effect. And she, you know, and the Met Gala, it was required that you had to be vaccinated. Nikki did apparently did not want to be vaccinated at the time and then ended up tweeting, uh, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His test, his testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks Oof. away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision and not bullied. Nicholas. And see, I've already re- I've already dragged you through the, the streets um, <laughs> on this on this subject. So I won't even rehash that. Y'all go back and, and listen to that. But, you know, her just yeah, just her spreading misinformation, the stupidity of it all. And then like weeks later, well, while she's claiming that she wasn't getting the vaccine or anything like that and didn't want to be outside because she wasn't going to put her child at risk and yet had her baby, Papa Bear, her adorable baby, at a concert, which, I mean, I suppose, you know, because it's not like she could leave the baby at home with her, you know, with his father because, you know, her, his father has <clears throat> rape charges and such. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's there's all of those things. But also... Her doubling down on her ignorance and Joanne Reed trying to hold her accountable and saying that she's using her platform in a really irresponsible way and her turning around and calling Joy, you know, Uncle Tamiana and, you know, all all of this nonsense. And it's just and 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 just watching Nicki Minaj all of a sudden having people like Tucker, Turk, Tucker Carlson going up for you. And you don't, and Candace Owens, and you don't see this as a pro- girl. The moment that any of them fools start agreeing with me, I know I've made the wrong <laughs> choice. I know I made the wrong choice. But, you know, I know you, G, you have <laughs> never, never, never not been busy because there was never a shortage of headlines. Can you mm-hmm. recap some of your like big original reporting moments for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, like the biggest story for me this year, uh, it, I made like national news. I I was I happened to see that Maxine Waters was she was in Minneapolis, I'm um, in, in Minnesota, um, in Brooklyn Center. Um, this was after the uh, police shooting of Dante Wright, 
And she said, you know, she encouraged protesters to get confrontational, to speak out against uh, police brutality. And her words were twisted by Fox News and other right wing media. And um, I saw because I used to work at Fox News, I know how they they kind of twist things to make things, you know, uh, enticing headlines, enticing to get their readers riled up um, and their audience riled up. And so I happened to know her uh, communication director at the time. And I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm noticing this making some traction in right wing media. Do you want to provide a comment to the Grio? And I ended up getting an interview with uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. And it was great. Like, I just simply asked her about, you know, about her use of the word confrontational. And she and to quote, she said, we've got to get on the streets. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. And the right wingers were just saying that, oh, Maxine Waters is calling for violence, which we know she was not. Um, And so she clarified her comments to me and she said, I am nonviolent. Republicans will jump on any word, any line and try to make it fit their message and their cause for denouncing us and denying us, basically calling us violent. Anytime they see an opportunity to seize on a word, they do it and they send a message to all the white supremacists, the KKK, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys and all of that, how this is a time for for Republicans to raise money on Democrats' backs. And that story ended up taking off because what happened was the, the, the noise around her using the word confrontational got louder. And she decided not to give any more press interviews. And so they left it up to my reporting, my story, to be the, her response. And so CNN, NBC News, Washington Post, every, pretty much every major news outlet picked up the Griot's reporting. And so it was very rewarding to like look on the television screen and see my reporting being, um, being sourced. Um, especially as not just as a black journalist, but working for a black owned media outlet. Um, it was it was a very great moment for me and for the Grio. Um, another big story wait, wait, for me. Wait, this real sh- quick, not to cut you, but I just wanted to say, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> listen, OK, I'm so proud of you, Jaren. Like I, I, I would say expletives, but we're not supposed to cuss on this show. So <laughs> but you know what it is. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of you. Thank you, sis. Thank you. And another big story, uh, obviously, we all saw what happened with the Haitian migrants um, in, in, at the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, and we saw those really graphic images of, of border police patrol um, whipping Haitian migrants uh, with the reins, uh, horse reins, using them as whips. Before what happened at the border, I did an r- original story about um, advocates for black migrants and immigrants um, sending a letter uh, to the Department of Homeland Security on abuses that migrants had um, had suffered. And when that happened at the border, they came back to me and said, hey, we have this other story about these uh, these restraints, uh, these restraints that are being used on African migrants by um, Homeland Security and border by ICE, actually. And that story um, was an original report, but it really exposed um, not just what happened at the border, but what happens to black and African migrants every single day. And oftentimes immigration is, is, a, is a topic that is not touched on, especially as it relates to black people. We often think about immigration as being uh, those who are from Mexico or from, or from you know, south of the border, but really it's, it's a black issue as well. And I was very proud to highlight 
those abuses because uh, here at The Grill, we wanna report things that are not just black American issues, but globally as well, because we are a, a diaspora. So, um, but my favorite, uh, I think, reporting this year has definitely been sitting down with my dear friend, Congressman Mondier Jones and Congressman Richie Torres, who both made history this year as the first uh, openly gay black men to serve in Congress. And for Pride, we sat down, we talked about them coming out the closet and the struggles of, of coming out the closet as black uh, queer men um, and, and what inspired them to, to run for office and believing that they could run for office. I think that Mondaire and Richie are such inspirations for black queer men and just for the black LGBTQ plus community at large because it shows that uh, visibility matters and that you can uh, ascend to some of the highest offices of the land. You can be whoever you wanna be and don't let your sexuality or your gender identity um, convince you that you are not deserving of, of all your dreams being met. And I was very proud to sit with them and talk about what pride means, but more importantly, what needs to be done on the policy on the policy side to address um, issues that are facing the community still, and including uh, hate crimes. We're, we saw a record number of trans murders this year, uh, majority of them being black and brown. Uh, we know that it is not still not safe to be a part of the community, and so anytime that I can use my platform and my work as a journalist to uplift my community, whether it's the black community or the LGBTQ plus community, um, is always an honor. And so I've, I've been, it's been really an honor to do this reporting this year for the GRIO. And I look forward to doing more uh, because these stories really do matter. Uh, but Shauna, you are the queen of black Twitter streets. I mean, whenever I need to know what's going on, I know you're the perfect person to call. What were some of the social media moments that had like really a big impact on the culture this year? Uh, you know what's so crazy is like, there's so much that happened and everything feels like a blur, right? So, uh, but something that did happen this year that we, we've we got to address is a Gorilla Glue lady, uh, the gorilla, or Gorilla Glue girl, Miss <laughs> um, Tessica Brown, who uh, unfortunately she thought she was, you know, looking for a, a, a viable replacement for her got to be hair glue, like which is a, a hairspray. Uh, she did not. She put Gorilla Glue <laughs> spray on her hair. And that, you know, created, first off, I mean, there, there was a song remixed to it. My hair, it don't move. Like, it's a whole, <laughs> it was a whole thing. Um, and, you know, and we, I think we as a culture were so, one, baffled by the, the, the sheer, I don't want to call, I don't want to say stupidity or ignorance, but, you know, just... The negligence. The, the absurdity. The absurdity yeah. of it, right? Of, of putting Gorilla Glue in your hair and then watching people, you know, who, who then had to do like, at, who, who were then like doing the same thing. And it's just, why? Like, why, y'all? Like, come on. Um, you know, there was definitely that. Uh, and then we became so invested in her journey of like her health, her, her, the health of her hair and actually seeing like, you know, her get, her hair back, um, although now it's falling out. It's a whole, I don't know what that girl is doing. Just stop touching it. <laughs> Part <Tessica>. two. 
right? <laughs> um, there was definitely that stupid crate challenge that was putting y'all in the hospital. I don't understand why y'all was climbing on crates in the hood, falling on concrete. It was so dumb. It was so dumb. And we saw people in heels going up these crates. Some, you know, a lot of people making it. Um, but just... <laughs> Just dumb, uh, but it, it kept on getting shared, and I'm like, I'm so glad that it died down in the way that it did because there were way too many people who were fi- like getting seriously hurt. Um, you know, there's definitely Will and Jada. I don't know. <sighs> you know what's so funny? We as a culture, I think at one point in time, we speculated so much about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's relationship that we we were just coming up with every with anything, right? They were like. They're swingers or, you know, oh, mm-hmm. the, their relationship goals and blah, blah, blah. And Jada came out with that red table talk. And, you know, August was out here telling people business and <laughs> Will is out here writing books and, you know, telling us that he there was at one point in time he was having so much sex that an orgasm would like make him physically vomit. We don't need to know this much about y'all anymore. Like, honestly, I want to give us some of the mystery back. I would like that. Can we go back to that? Um, and then... Not to mention, I feel like I can't even read the book anymore because everything about the it. book has been has been disseminated across the media. So it's he's, just, been, he's been spilling a lot of tea this yes, year. Yes, all the tea. We got to rehash that how he was so jealous of Tupac. And it was a whole thing. Um, and then, like, right now, as of recently... Uh, I, this was not on my 2021 bingo card. And that is Nancy Reagan. Okay. Whew. And now, so I think it, it was one of those things that I think was a, it was a, 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 a not a, it wasn't a well-kept secret, apparently. <laughs> like Nancy Reagan, former, you know, first lady, was apparently very popular in Hollywood, uh, you know, for her, um, <clears throat> oral skills and of course black twitter got a handle of that and you know we started finding we're like nancy reagan is a throat goat what like what allegedly 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 uh you know nancy reagan allegedly out here replaces superhead you like oh okay you know and <laughs> and uh one of the most funny things that i heard was we started referencing nancy reagan as throatus i mean i'm just saying like y'all <laughs> That's a new one for me. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, definitely a lot of hilarious moments. Um, but, you know, speaking of not even hilarious, but let's talk about incredible moments, because I think we've had so many on the show this year, G. What are some of your like favorite guests or conversations from this year? Oh, this is an easy one, because the most recent one of our most recent episodes was with Timon West, who came on to talk about biphobia and um, and what it means to be bisexual and pansexual. And I just love having conversations and creating spaces to allow black men to explore their sexuality. Um, as I mentioned on that episode, please feel free to listen to that episode. Um, you know, I went to Morehouse College. I know what it feels like to navigate spaces where black men, with black men, and just the curiosity about around their sexuality. And we have to uh, give them the, 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 the same freedom and space that women are often allowed to to see what they're attracted to. And um, and also, we don't talk enough about um, bisexual people and people who are pansexual um, as a part of the larger uh, LGBTQ plus community. Another favorite guest was Tarana Burke. I mean, she was so powerful. Like, it was my favorite episode, I think, hands down of Dear Culture ever. And, you know, not only is she just like 
just crazy intelligent, uh, but she's her heart is always open. And what she's done with the Me Too movement, um, and it wasn't it wasn't just a hashtag; it was an actual movement, and that empowered men and women uh, to tell their stories of, of abuse. And as a as a, a black man who suffered child molestation, um, I, as I told her, um, I thanked her for creating space for people like me to feel, um, to have the courage to talk about what we've endured. Because if we don't address our traumas, we can never uh, heal our traumas. And so I, those are my two favorite episodes. But what about you? Uh, so there's so many, um, but definitely one with uh, our Black Daddies episode. Uh, so we had Francis Garner, um, who is the father of three adorable little babies. Uh, you got Jade, you got Avery, you got Callie, or Bubba, Boogie, and Beanie. Uh, <laughs> and just watching, I, I've been such a huge fan of Francis and his wife, uh, Carrie. I've been such a huge fan of their family for years and, and being able to, you know, just talk to him about what is being a black father, what all does that entail? Uh, we also on that show, we had Roderick Bradford Jr. as a guest, um, another phenomenal black dad. Uh, and I think it was just one of those amazing episodes in which we were breaking the the stereotypes of, you know, of absent black dads, which I mean, we know statistically black dads are the most involved uh, you know in terms of all of the demographics uh of of fatherhood but just being able to talk to them about the love for their children how do they survive you know being black fathers uh whether they're raising little black girls who again Malcolm X quote you know the most disrespected person in America is a black woman and and seeing especially like from Francis's uh from Francis's uh, perspective, you know, what does that mean? And how do you prepare your three little black girls to traverse this, this world, this country? Um, You know, that was, that was amazing. Roderick has sons and it's, I mean, in a time in which, you know, we see police brutality in a time in which we see, you know, black men getting, if not, if, you know, it's it's a sad thing when we're like hoping that the worst that can happen is that maybe that they're you know just a little physically hurt. You know, you're you're praying that they're that your your black sons and your black dads and brothers and uncles and grandfathers are making it home. Um, so, what does that look like being a black father and watching your heart live outside of your body? <laughs> uh, you know, so mm. that was so amazing. Um, I think in terms of uh, even just granting me the grace and, and learning more about compassion was our battling drug addiction episode with Deanna King. Uh, you know, I have a couple of family members who are battling drug addiction and just even shifting my language of how I speak about those family members. Uh, you know, I, I can I can be honest, it really wasn't that empathetic <laughs> initially until I had that conversation with Deanna. Uh, you know, I was out here. I'm like, no, such and such is a crackhead. Such and such can't come in this house. Such and such can't do X, Y, Z. Um, and her teaching us how to talk about drug addiction, as well as, um, you know, just overall understanding uh, 
you know, this it this is a mental health issue. It is a public health issue, you know, and 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 treating it as such. I think that those are some things that were just incredibly beautiful for us to explore on this show. And audience Y'all need to be watching, like, or watching or listening to these episodes. Go ahead. I promise you, they're a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had some really great guests this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's been it's been phenomenal and very rich um, in 2021, which is why I'm really looking forward to our lineup for 2022. I think we're going to really blow we up. We're going to kill the game, Jeremy. We're going to kill the game. So, as always, I've truly enjoyed our conversation today. You know, G, it's always good talking to Me you. Too. I'm probably going to end up hollering at you over the week anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, to all of our listeners and viewers tuning in, happy holidays from the DCP team. We are always grateful for you and wish you a very happy new year. We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is the William Malcolm Lux Collection. Known as The Style Artist, founder and creative director William Malcolm launched the Lux Collection as a classic menswear fashion label in 2009. The Detroit-based brand approaches men's suiting by pairing classic English tailoring with modern silhouettes. Their bespoke suits and accessories are handmade And they also offer eyewear, lapel candy, and custom footwear. In addition to providing luxury suiting and accessories, the brand focuses on giving back to the community, sponsoring the annual Man of Style and Substance Scholarship Contest, awarding $40,000 in cash and prizes to Detroit students. To learn more about the William Malcolm Lux Collection, visit their website at williammalcolmcollection.com. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-M. M-A-L-C-O-L-M collection.com. The Griot has published a list of 50 plus black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you'd like your business to be featured, email us at info at the That's G-R-I-O dot com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those to podcasts at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio and co-produced by Taji Sr., Sydney Enriquez-Payne, and Abdul Caduce. <laughs>